Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Alex and Paola, my wonderful co-hosts, join me, Rick, as once again we delve into the games that we've beaten, retired and played, mm-hmm. chipping away at the backlog that is never quite defeated. How are we doing, guys? We good? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Toasty in Canada right now. <laughs> Toasty here too. Bit more of an interactive introduction this time. For the beans. So, beaten, retired, playing. Um, we're going to go onto a topic which I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, is an extension mm-hmm. of what we did last week. So uh, go and listen to that first. You can find it where you found this. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more in depth on gaming preservation um, and how current developments in that landscape sort of affect preservation. Um, we're going to try and squeeze in a question, but as always, no guarantees from the community. Uh, and we will finish with the Titan, the Behemoth, the Colossus. How, How long, long to, beat to beat the, the game? game. Oh, nice. Beautiful. Um, and I, I'm going to kick us off. Oh, this time before you do that, though. We have to yeah, hear right. a little word from one of our uh, lovely well, listeners and guests at times. But our Fantasy Critic League coach, Abitage, is going to tell you all about what happened last month in the Fantasy Critic League. Take it away, Abitage. What's up, everybody? I'm Abitage, and welcome to your How Long to Beat Fantasy Critic League Roundup for August 2021. There was a good bit of movement on the leaderboard last month and we're looking forward to some more in September thanks to a whole bunch of games coming out and we're seeing some new names towards the top of the list. Although, rather unsurprisingly at this point, Funky Face Studios has held firm to the top spot once again despite having no new releases in August, while Abisoft has also maintained their position with no new releases, but it is starting to get a little crowded. The pressure is on from Frozen Frog, who went from 6th to 3rd thanks to a strong release from Axiom Verge 2 that brought in 8 points and another 6 points from No More Heroes 3, which just goes to show you how a few good releases can be the difference between hitting those top spots and sliding to the bottom. Noise Labs was relegated to 4th with no new releases during August, while General Goods jumped up a couple of positions after the release of Humankind, which brought in a solid 10 points. And to keep things moving, Ashmasters jumped up three spots after the much-anticipated Psychonauts 2 released with a valuable 19 points. And just to make all that movement mean something, Mango, Pokempore and Horny Mistress all lost a few places on the board as none of them had any releases during August. CD Projekt Rick gained a position thanks to some score changes from previous releases as well as an additional 5 points from the release of 12 minutes. And once again, Beatmasters had no new releases last month and find themselves third from the bottom as a result. It was another blow for Cockroach Content Corp. After losing points on their counterpick last month, they earned another minus two points for the release of Aliens Fireteam Elite, keeping them just above last place on the board. Where CD Product Refund held on to that bottom spot thanks to no new releases in August and those negative scores remaining deep within the minus realm. While most publishers have managed to fill their rosters almost to the top, there's still plenty of room for some pickups to be made and some points to be had. During August, Funky Face Studios decided to min-max their lead and drop open roads in order to successfully acquire Eastwood for $6, leaving them with $28 left in their budget. While Abisoft successfully required Origami 2 for $2, leaving them with $37 left in their budget. Frozen Frog picked up Melty Blood Type Illumina for $7, leaving them with $48 in their budget. 
Noise Labs dropped the delayed Nirvana Cyberpunk bartender action and successfully acquired Sonic Colors Ultimate for $10, leaving them with only $10 left in their budget. And I did mention it last month, but Pokepore successfully acquired Boldo the Guardian Owls for $5 during August, which left them with $86 in their budget. So if there's anything to learn from this month, it's that there's still plenty of time to climb the leaderboard and even aim for that top spot. Now that more and more releases are bringing in points for their publishers, we can see just how quickly a good score can take you up or drop you back down. Let's hope the coming months will keep things interesting and make that number one spot seem a little more unstable. Good luck to everyone who has releases in September. See, what you, what you see was I was trying to avoid from that. <laughs> Is that no more heroes <laughs> me up, as it was always going to? Yeah. But um, but you're right; it wasn't like was a only... runaway hit or anything. But it did well enough. Yeah, I on balance it lost me points, but mm. there there were some mixed bags. I game rankings gave it like a forty, if I remember correctly. Like yeah. it did have some pretty poor scores, but on average mm. it came out really well. If it was like user ratings, I would be fucked because it got like yes. an eighty nine. Well, because <laughs> this is the thing: like, no more heroes. <laughs> has has its niche right like it's like very much a niche game and like if you enjoy the no more heroes games no more heroes 3 is fantastic right mm. um, I saw yeah but of... probably no more heroes 3 isn't gonna like sell you in the franchise or no. anything like that and this no. is what i banked on i banked on some new reviewers coming to it um some quirks of it not sitting right with you with reviewers if it released which i actually didn't think it would i was kind of screwed just from when it got the august release date <laughs> I, I was convinced it wouldn't come out but uh, that's the danger of the counter pick you know. mm-hmm. yeah i mean the, the flip side is you get an alex counter pick you get 20 points and you solidify your spot on that throne Listen, it's not confirmed yet mm-hmm. but... no, no no but i'm doing good i'm doing good i'm not gonna i'm not counting my chickens before they hatch but like what i will say because it's not actually i'm not that far ahead like i know it seems a lot but it's not that far it takes a couple real solid like a couple 90s games and people could overtake me but um which might happen at the end of this year like i'm looking at everdread and forza like i'm just saying like that that game usually does very well and it's looking really good so but anyway I mean, here's you, hoping it doesn't you're not counting <laughs> just, games before just, they release if you will <laughs> there you go damn it <laughs> i'm just happy because like um i'm just relieved because like um baldo wasn't doing good from what i heard because of the bug city stuff but it got a 73 it it, it got a 73 of metacritic somehow so on metacritic at least for now (laughs) for now (laughs) Uh, hopefully it doesn't go lower but at the very least i can breathe now like i'm not gonna like jump to the bottom of the list or something like that yeah it's got a 73 but it has three reviews and it has a 73 that's not good paolo i'm sorry but like when when a couple random company like people rate it and it's already that low anyway uh, (laughs) i remember hearing about this game i'm just having fun with this one now but my advice for anyone who wants to play fantasy critic next year i highly recommend like research the like companies uh, the developers because that's what i did for this game i researched the developer and also the publisher and i went this publisher is trash like it's nakon or whatever and i was like this is a safe counterpick bet like go for the one that is just a trash freaking company and you're probably gonna be okay but it does take a little bit of work i have no life so you know that's what i did <laughs> if you want to be lazy about it, that game had like one trailer and then it dropped and the trailer didn't show you anything that's always a bad sign yeah, mm. absolutely. And the trailer looked rough. Like I remember looking at it and yeah. I was like, 
Mm-mm. Take it from me, fourth from bow- bottom on the leaderboard. Complete <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, September brings something good to the table because I have three games on this month, so... Oh yeah, this month's got a lot going on. We'll see what happens. I got one this month, which I am looking forward to, Eastward, which looks really, really cool. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, Pixel are cool adventure game. Anyway, uh, Rick, why don't you tell us uh, what did you beat right before this <laughs> recording? <laughs> Uh, well, in, in the first twenty minutes of when we were supposed to be recording, mm-hmm. yeah. So I uh, I stitched myself up a little bit. So anyone who listened a few weeks ago and remembers how I tried and failed to squeeze niche.io game called Inferna in to give myself a completion that week, um, I learned from that mistake and I did it better this time. Um, and I played a little itch.io browser game called Puppy String. Uh, it's by a developer tool called Torcado. So for anyone who's played the ten milligram collection. Um, that's the same developer behind Smiley Face, which was the standout game from that bundle. Um, and it's a little game jam game, um, 2D platformer. It's a little bit like the Sayonara Umi, however you say it, games where you've got the yo-yo and you do the platforming. Um, it's very short. I finished it in 17 and a half minutes. And maybe 10 of those were fighting with one particular section that I struggled with. But for a game jam game, it's really nicely put together. It's always quite clear where you're supposed to be going. Uh, performance is pretty good. Checkpoints is pretty good. Uh, the graphics are very thrown together, but it's a game jam game. Um, it's great fun to play. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I probably could have given it a 9. Um, if you've got 15 minutes and you want to noodle about with something, you could do far, far worse. Um, and what I will do once we finish this recording is I will put it on the uh, the How Long to Beat Podcast itch.io page um, which I am still occasionally updating. Uh, so you can always check out there. Um, and that is that is my one completion. It was really very much a squeeze. <laughs> so uh, one of you, why don't you tell me about one of your um, more more informed completions? Um, may I? In fact, yes. I've, I've played a bit of Reki, so I am actually quite curious to hear what you think of it, having beaten it, Paolo. Uh, so Reki is this... A little charming puzzle game that isn't like any other puzzle game I played so far, and I don't know. It was a very very fun. It did kind of overstayed its welcome with the last couple of puzzles, um, but it is really really addicting. Like I, uh, that's once I really knew like how the mechanics work and how like to plan out like how to solve the puzzle. Like I was just blasting through the levels and suddenly it was four in the afternoon and I was like, damn it, I need to eat something and go to class. Um so yeah, I, I would recommend it to anyone who likes puzzle games. I don't know if I could recommend like I could recommend like you like pretty much freeze through the no. I can recommend you to play it all in one go because at the end I was tired. <laughs> hmm. Like after that one last puzzle, I was like, I don't want to see this game anymore. So, hmm. yep, that's about it, Alex. Before we do those, well, just one small thing: yep. you beat it on PC, pal, and I know I beat it. I played what I've played of it there as well. I got the overwhelming sense that this would be much better on a touchscreen and it is available on android and ios so i feel like if it's a game that looks appealing to you and the the mc escher visuals type thing are a big draw for it if it looks like something you want to give it a go i would say definitely sort of try and get it on mobile do you sort of feel the same do you think or 
like this game on mobile mainly because of how precise you have to be in some cases like i mean i guess if you don't mind like um not making it like in the least amount of moves uh, possible uh, mobile is a good option uh, maybe because of the pickup and play manager but i did like the the control with the mouse like quite a bit like i i wouldn't play this on a touch screen personally Okay, your mileage may vary is the takeaway, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one for, one against. Try it out. <laughs> um, nice. Well, I beat a big one. Uh, well, actually, it's not that big, but it was it was uh, very fun. So whereas 13 Sentinels was a recommendation that I sadly didn't enjoy, this was a, like, a friggin' like, bat right out of the park kind of thing. Like, it was a home run. So I, I beat Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, which for me is, like, this game's, like, this is a really good example for me of what I consider like a 10 out of 10 game where is it perfect? No, of course not. But like, there's no perfect freaking games out there, but it is so it so masterfully does what it wants to do. Um, and it's such a complete package that for me, I'm just like, yep, that's that. That's, that's a 10 out of 10. And like, so for those who don't quite know, cause we've talked about ghost trick a bunch, but like kind of what is ghost trick? It's essentially like, it's a series of touch puzzles, right? Where it's like very much um, almost like almost not escape room per se, but like kind of like the thing where it's like you have to go and get something done in the room. And so you can manipulate objects in the room and like you can jump from one object to the next and you have to kind of manipulate objects to achieve a goal. And it changes throughout the game. Um, and it's mixed in like an also visual novel-esque story. Um, as well yeah a murder mystery where you are the murder victim i think it's a really good sort of elevator for it yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and that's that really much like touches on like the story of it and i have to say like (laughs) my 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 smallest quibble with it is just that like a few of the puzzles near the end were a little bit like (sighs) like they were like fine but it's just like there's there's this one mechanic that they introduced that it's fine but it also like actually there was this one thing there's this one puzzle where you had to you had to interact with something. And when you first go onto the thing, you can't interact with it. And it makes you think that you cannot use it. And then you come to find out that it's like, no, no, you have to just wait a while. And then you're, it allows you to interact with it, which for me is actually like felt a little bit like broken design. Like it would have been one thing if it, if you were able to interact with that at the time and you just do it and it kind of does nothing. And that would have been fine. But like the fact that it straight up was uninteractive, like you couldn't interact with it at all maybe just think it wasn't something i could use so anyway that's a small quibble but yeah the story is cons- it's tight like it was like a 12 14 hour 12 hour i think actually experience for me 10 to 12 i'd say yeah yeah mileage will vary mm-hmm. right depends on how slow you wander through yeah <laughs> but it's like a tight 18 chapter story um some chapters are obviously much longer than others um and it does this thing that like okay so not to i'm not i'm not gonna pick on 30 sentinels again but like remember one of the things that like i mentioned in that that kind of bothered me was that like it was it it tried to bite off more than it could chew in a sense like there was just too much going on and the story was too large and there was just too many characters and so a lot of people got kind of ignored but the thing that i love that is a criticism that you personally felt that's what i'm saying yeah what i'm saying about that game it's like it it, it was too far you're wrong but that was your opinion (laughs) well can't be wrong when it's an opinion anyway so (laughs) (laughs) but the thing that i love about ghost trick and like we talked about is that like this game 
it 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 is a big story like the stakes are high in this story and it is dealing with like this large sort of you know i'm not gonna i don't want to go into more because i don't want people to get spoiled but it, it deals with a big thing like a big story but it really focuses in on a select number of characters and it really makes them like personalizes those people and they feel like legitimate interesting individuals um that you grow to really care about and it does so in like a natural way to the point where I like, I was actually like, I'm invested in knowing more about these characters and I actually like care about the outcomes. It does like, there's like one thing at the very end that like trails on a little long where you're like, okay, okay, okay. I I get it. Let's keep going. But it's really cute. So I didn't mind. (laughs) Um, I have to say, I'm shocked that you hadn't already played this because this, yeah. Thinking back on it, it feels like such a you game. It is. And to be fair, Paolo's, oh, you because you hadn't played it either, had you, Paolo? I thought you already had, but you haven't either. Uh, no, I'm just no. playing it now. You gotta understand. And it's weird because it, it's a game that is so up both your alleys. It's by the Ace Attorney guy. Yeah. It's like a little DS puzzler thing with a story focus, with cute characters, with the cutest fucking dog in gaming. Oh, absolutely. It, it boggles my mind. Missile's that the greatest. <laughs> but the problem oh. is that this game genuinely like did not exist here in north america like honestly it i never ever heard of this game ever until i got until basically this year honestly or like maybe last year kind of thing like it just genuinely was like non-existent there was never any marketing i never saw anything for it when i was playing the ds and this is remember this comes from a guy who bought ace attorney when i was a fucking kid first one on the ds and still go strict like never saw it um, Although Ace Attorney was one of the touch generation games, wasn't it? it got a bit of promo through Nintendo. Yes. Uh, the, the wrinkle with Ghost Trick, and there were there were quite a few amazing games on the DS mm-hmm. that slipped under the radar just because the DS had a glut of games generally. Um, and it was a period of time where where I was reading magazines anyway. So games like Ghost Trick, Soul Bubbles, Infinite Space, Henry Hatsworth, all these other random little things. Um, I had my finger on the pulse, as it were. But I do sort of appreciate that if you were even the slightest bit out of the loop and with geographical differences being what they are that a game like that could slip under and clearly it slipped under for everyone because it's a game that is criminally underappreciated yeah and and it's like sorry go ahead oh that that game in particular when you first mentioned it rick i went to the different like video game stores that i frequent like to their online pages and only one of them had the game like like an actual page for the game and it was sold out at the time uh, because it was and it kind of feels like it is like a 999 or nanari yeah. game situation where yeah it was like super niche here but the thing is uh the non uh the original nanari game actually uh got a few more units cheap here when the sequels released yeah and it was only like well known because of the sequel more than the base game because the thing that i feel is that the ds wasn't really that popular here okay because i've um in school like i barely knew like any people who played video games at all and the the couple of friends that did like some a couple had like psp and other friends have a 3DS, but I never met someone who played on the DS um, until later, like in life. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the the multimedia aspect of the PSP was a factor in that? 
for your um, reason specifically because i can i can imagine a scenario where not only does it play games but also music movies you know all of those things where that might make sense and obviously they were both hacked wide open so you could put whatever you want on it oh yeah but back in the day i think the reason why the psp was a little bit more popular was because not only it was easier to hack because the ds went like from to through hacking hell before like having like a shareware fire to play all the games you wanted mm-hmm. um but also um is it just weird of like the psp was always like an emulator machine yes yeah i, I most of the emulation that i've ever played has been on a psp so yeah 100 i mean yeah just a slight aside when we're doing the um the game of the month this month we we're having a little joke about it in the in the group chat we've got going we're all going to be playing oracle of ages and seasons a slightly different way so <laughs> alex has got his game boy color um with flash cart paola's got official emulation through the 3ds uh, and i'm gonna be playing on a psp guy <laughs> uh, so yeah emulation has always been a thing on the psp and it's always been well optimized which is kind of crazy it's but, yeah, interesting because it's, it's a it's a nut like it's the opposite here right like the psp was a didn't even no one had a PSP here. Like, it was like, hmm. you know, it didn't do well at all in Canada. But the, the DS did amazingly. But also the problem with the DS is that, no, it's not a problem, but it was just like the thing with the DS was that it was really popular. <laughs> and right it now- Almost too popular. I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, if you go uh, at the moment, like on like Kijiji and stuff, which is like our like local trading thing or like Facebook marketplace or whatever, you'll see DS games being sold. And it's like, you know, pets with the Z or brats and like- um this Wreck-It Ralph or, you know, some random shit, like these yeah. random fucking game, shovelware games that people are trying Imagine to offer like, for a dollar. Yeah. Um, and like those were everywhere. And so a game like Ghost Trick, no, it, there's no way in hell it was going to break through, right? Like it just, unless it gets the, the promotion and the marketing, it's just there's way too many other and cheap games. That was the issue too, right? Like um, a lot of the games were cheap. So if you had parents or stuff who were buying games for the kids, they're not going to buy the, you know, random or expensive DS game, they're going to get the cheap one. <laughs> now, for me, I was a little Albeit older, so I could buy yeah. my own. But, yeah. The irony is those games became very cheap because this is in the, the pre-digital era when yeah. shelf space was a premium for yeah. for all these stores. So Ghost Trick, I, I'm pretty sure I got for like £12. Infinite Space I got for 15 which is like less than half price RRP. Yeah, the problem yeah. is like, there weren't even why many we get copies here. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, there just yeah. genuinely weren't many copies. I've never seen a copy of Ghost Trick in a store anywhere. Like, uh, mm. and like, I frequent often, I've never seen a copy any used stores. Like, I've just never seen one. I, I don't know. Like, it probably at one point it existed, but not anymore. And also, yeah, this is a play, like, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Bella. Um, I was going to say that here in particular, since gaming, since gaming is more expensive, mm. uh, people will usually, usually because um, it's kind of it is kind of changing with the switch. But people will usually go to whatever system they could hack at the time. So it was very common to see like this friend that has like a PS one or PS two and like dozens and dozens of games. Um, well, for example, in the GameCube, uh, it wasn't as common. So uh, the, 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 that was the thing. Is like parents will usually get whatever is cheaper, like in the long run, because um, at least uh, back in the day, uh, and 
taking in, in, in account like what the minimum wage is here. Uh, most parents don't have like um, didn't have like a lot of money uh, to to like uh, give like all the video video games to their kids, so they just went and pirate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pirating wasn't much of a thing, at least when I was young. Um, you know, people, I definitely didn't have parents who even understood the concept. <laughs> <laughs> so that was ghost trick yeah basically so what i'm saying is everyone trick. should play ghost trick it's easy to get now yeah. if you got good old rom get your 3ds man soft modding a 3ds is so easy did it in an afternoon there's literally like i mean we'll, we'll touch on it when we come to playing this is the perfect game to play emulated on a mobile phone because it's all touchscreen oh, controls that too so. and the top screen honestly this game could be ported to the switch because the top screen is rarely if ever used you know? Oh, they already did it. This this game had an Android port. It had an Android port. Way back oh, when. It's delisted okay. now, but but it they they've already adapted it to a single screen situation. Okay. So. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Like the, I see no reason. I I'm surprised. This would be a great game to just if, if they had the Android just put on the Switch, but make some money 100%. for it. Like it it would. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh all right. Well, why don't we move along to retired, which is once again uh, Rick Tireds. So what did you ret- Rick Tired <laughs> this week? Yeah. <laughs> so so this week I Rick Tired Silent Hill Book of Memories for the Vita and I did foreshadow this uh last week. It's a game that I got for free on a hack Vita. I had a noodle around with. I've got no attachment to the franchise anyway, so it's more of a, a curiosity than anything else for me. And I can see why this game sort of landed like a wet fish on release. It really is very milk toast. Sort of brings the, the worst of both aspects that it combines, those being uh, Silent Hill psychological horror and top-down sort of mystery dungeon-esque dungeon crawling, albeit not on a grid in like a free environment. Um, it's just not very good. And it, it it's not especially bad either, but that's almost worse because there's just no compulsion um, either way to continue with it. So um, that's two and a bit gigabytes that I've deleted, um, freed up on my, on my hack Vita. Uh, I won't think about this game ever again. <laughs> Let's talk about what we're playing. Paula. <laughs> Oh, I have a lot that I've been playing. Uh, save me from myself because I've been playing like five games at a time. Uh, so Breath of the Wild, just car hunting. I, I think I'm past the 100 mark with the car seat. So yay, only 800 more. Oh, um, oh mother of God, that. why? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm also playing Amnesia later on the Vita and. Uh, last week I finished uh, Uki's route, and now I am going through like a particular character that is like kind of interesting because so in Amnesia later in Amnesia memory, sorry, I said that you had like these um different worlds where the protagonist could just jump into and like try to fit in and try to remember the to recover the memories from that world. The thing is, um, her not only her relationships with the different people are different depending on the world, so you can't really like use the knowledge from one world on the onto the next. Uh, but also, there's this particular character that is the uh, 
manager from the cafeteria at the character worksite. And he has a different personality in every single route. And it's actually like, I feel like this, it's like the favorite side character uh, from, from this game, at least from what I've seen in the fandom. Uh, so I just did like the little new world stuff and I jumped into this uh, Wakasan world thing. And you can select like which version of the of the character, like on which world you want to land. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Uh, so I really don't know like what to expect at all from here because this character wasn't like um was a side character in the original game. Um this character is different in every single route and I don't know what else to say about this game. It's just, well, I guess it's a thing, and I'm happy for it. It sure is a game. <laughs> it sure is a game. <laughs> what about, uh, have you done any more in Shadows of Valencia? Oh, yep. Um, this game has pretty much taken over my life, uh, mainly because it's like the most easy, it is the easier game. I have to pick, just pick up and play, uh, play a couple of battles, and then like leave be for a couple of days or a couple of hours. Um, so I'm on Act Four or Chapter Four of the game, and uh, the story is pretty much like reaching um, its climax. But I'm pretty much done with like one side of the story because I said like you you have like two armies to control. I'm pretty much done with Celica's story. Like I have this final battle but I went and trained up my units to have them like be as strong as they can be. So on Celica's army pretty much all my characters are like um I guess like tier the max tier class they can be. And they feel kind of powerful so um it's gonna be interesting like finishing her side of the story and then like go back to arm where i think like half of that team isn't like quite leveled up yet uh the story uh so far has been like very interesting um i remember liking this game a lot in part for the story and in part for the characters and uh it is just like how I remember it, which it, I can't say like for all games because sometimes like nostalgia glasses and stuff like that. And uh, so yeah, been having a lot of fun with that one. I I think this next battle is gonna be tough, so wish me luck, and I hope I don't die here. And the other two games that I'm playing, yep, the other two games that I'm playing are. Nightshade, the atomic game, not the uh, other game that is like on the NSO. Oh, I didn't even and... realize there was one on. Oh, I realized the other day that I was, was I in the forest or was I on on the Discord? But someone said like, oh, I played Nightshade. And oh, I think you uh, they said oh, like on NSO. Oh, 
No, it was like I play Nightshade on the NSO and it sucks. I'm like Nightshade on an NSO. Oh, right, there's another game uh, called Nightshade. So I I felt like I needed to clarify there. Gotcha. Um. So, so yeah, like I'm currently on chapter two. Yeah, chapter two, and. Uh, so far, you take control of this character called Anju, and she's like the daughter of this like Danja clan, and uh, she's pretty much like the daughter of the chief. Um, um, on on her uh, on her Tinawi village, and she's going to her first uh, mission on this game, and I'm pretty much like on the kind of like opening chapters, just knowing like why um they need like this group like to do to do some espionage on the city. And they are pretty much trying to catch these um pretty um famous thief that uh, goes by the name of Goemon. So there's like these very important people coming to the capital, and obviously the guy in charge doesn't want any benefit running around and pretty much um, having people say like, oh, um, you can't even take care of this one thief on this city, even though you're in charge and you're supposed to have like this very strong like uh, in the person stuff. So, um, I'm at that point of the story. I uh, I'm replaying this one on the Switch. I originally played it on PC, and there are like a couple of difference. Uh, mainly that um, I want to say like how they present like the character portrait because usually on I think on the Steam release most of the time like the character portrait was like on the corner of the screen. And then you you see like the main the the main character like Angel's portrait like almost interacting with everyone else like on screen. And what I've heard that's the the other difference is that the Switch version has like whatever DLC came um came out for the Steam version. I think there are like a, a couple of differences on the localization um not quite sure but i feel like the uh, switch version has like a little bit of like awkward wording in a couple of scenes but it's like at the very beginning and it doesn't seem to be like affecting the rest of the game it's just it it, it was weird because like you already have a, a localization done for PC. Why is the Switch version a, a little bit different and a little bit worse in this aspect? That's also weird that um, it's at the start. You would think that would be the one place in the game that they would catch the. You know what I mean? Like it's like usually it's at the yeah. end where someone's yeah. like, "I don't have fucking time." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a weird thing, but I I guess it it has happened like in other localization projects. For example, in Characters Mali's Unlimited, it was like in the I want to say like the first or second chapter of one of the characters throughout that I think I 
mention this, but one of the puzzles was messed up by the localization team and wasn't solvable <laughs> until oh, they fixed yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it is an uncommon, but it's weird that it happens like at the beginning and then it's everything else seems okay. I hope everything else is okay. Um, especially because the Switch version, I think it is going by 70 bucks, if I remember correctly. What the? Mainly because, like, the. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the thing with Nightshade in particular is that um, this is one of those atomic that only had like a physical version on Japan, and it is multi-language. Like, uh, if you buy oh, it like from Japan, yeah. yeah, yeah, if you get it from Japan or you get it from the eShop, you get like all the languages available. And for some reason, they found it acceptable to charge 70 bucks for both the physical and the digital release. So I waited for uh, it to be stuck, it to be in a stock on Amazon for a decent price and purchase it there. Because if I'm gonna pay like premium price for the Atome, I might as well have it physical. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I would still recommend people to play like on PC, mainly because of the price. Hmm. And finally, Ghost Trick, uh, Phantom Detective. So, um, pretty much like um, I finished chapter one. I haven't touched the game since. <laughs> but uh, the thing with Ghost Trick is that it has a certain familiarity because of, well, it's a turn game. So even if it's my first time playing it, it feels like I'm talking with an old friend because like all the the quirky characters, weird designs, and all the the crazy stuff is there. Um, so I finished the first level. I'm pretty happy with it. So I'm gonna keep playing. Hopefully for next week. Honestly, this um, game could basically be set in the Ace Attorney universe. Like, there's literally no reason why it couldn't be. Like it. There's nods to Ace Attorney. Like, there's literally a dude in a blue eight, like Phoenix Wright suit in it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, although although that's very specifically like a fun sort of nod and a wink to the audience, yeah. rather than a hey, we're in the same universe. Oh no, no, of course. Thing. I just mean like, mm -hmm. if you want that to be your head cannon, there's nothing that would stop you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. So yeah, I think that those are all my playings. Um. Alex, speak. Someone save me. <laughs> uh, I will piggyback off just because I'm also playing Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. So that's going to be the little segue. Um, I'm still very early in the game, but that's just because I've noodled away in free time on my phone. And that's how I'm sort of doing the replay. It's like a trip down memory lane for me, which is nice. Um, I feel like we've said everything there is to be said. It's a phenomenal game. And if you haven't played it already, you absolutely should. However it is, you can make that happen. Um I'm about halfway through Vagrant Story. There is something about this game. By rights, I should hate this because <laughs> it's got a real craft focus. There's some weird decisions in the combat and the way that certain things are set up. But it's also got a real charm in the visuals, 
in the story, which is now really starting to open up the MacGuffin has been sort of revealed to me. Some of those characters are developing and deepening. Um, I like some of the risks they've taken with the way that they've set things up. I also like that what it seems to be doing is sort of a, um, forgive the trite comparison, but a Dark Souls style thing where the map intertwines in and around itself and you find shortcuts into old areas. Um, that's probably a shit comparison. It's more, I wouldn't even call it Metroidvania Eco because it's not backtracking. It's just that the critical path seems to crisscross in and around and alongside and through areas that you've previously visited. Uh, but in a way that makes the world feel organic rather than in a way that feels like that they've been cheap and reused it. Although I'm sure that, re in, you know, the reality is a mixture of the two. Um, it's just a lot of fun. And it's unlike anything else I've played in a really positive way. The only drawbacks are just sort of artifacts of the time in which it came out. So um, saving and loading is a bit of a ball ache. Um, crafting is limited to certain situations, which for a game with such a limited um, inventory size is a bit of a bummer. Um, there's some anachronisms in the way that magic works, in the way that certain abilities are factored in. Um, but on the whole, as a package, it's really strong. Um, and I'm, I'm enjoying my time with it a lot. Uh, the same goes for Kine on PC, the uh, the sort of Roaring Twenties themed grid puzzle thing. Um, the puzzles are starting to ramp up in difficulty a little bit, but I haven't found myself frustrated yet. And I think that that really is just the aesthetic elevating what gameplay is there. Uh, there's a real sense of joy. The soundtrack is glorious uh, and it's the kind of thing that I... I'm going to be putting on just sort of in my background rotation going forward because it is lovely. Um, and yeah, just on the whole, as a, as a package, it, it the presentation carries it. And, and I think that's normal for puzzle games like this, but it, it, it's really pleasing to see the, the amount of attention to detail from what, if I remember correctly, is like a two or three person effort. Um, the the way everything comes together, there's so much love that's gone into it. And I think that really makes all the difference in this situation. Um, I'm still playing Valhalla, although again, just incredibly early, I've barely touched it this week. Um, and then there are two new ones. One of them I haven't put on the, um, on the agenda, which I'll address very, very briefly. And uh, that is, I dipped into the very beginning of the first Ancient Gods DLC for Doom Eternal. And it handed me to me. I fucked that up. It it what? it's very hard, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. And I think that is, that is you got your ass handed to you, is what you're saying, right? That yeah, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, that one. I, I was handed to myself. I don't know. Um the the game removed my ability to speak. It is geared <laughs> towards people who have just come off the back of the main campaign and having played the main campaign over a year ago at this point i was not ready to jump back in um i can't really make any judgment beyond that i i literally played the opening section of the first level died remarkably quickly and decided that i needed a, a time when i had more attention and energy to give to it um i might even drop the first chapter down to easy 
because as I understand it, the, the second half of it is like more balanced out. And I feel like doing it that way will give me sort of a better run into that. But we'll we'll see when I come back to it. Uh, the other game that I started playing uh, is Warrior Land 4 for the Game Boy Advance. Mm. Um, and it's interesting having sort of come back, come off the back of a retirement of the Shake dimension for Wii. You can actually see a lot of the DNA from that game um, and how it clearly drew a lot from 4 on the GBA. Uh, the biggest differences so far are that you have two different charge attacks. There's one on the B button, which is the instantaneous one that everyone will, from, will know from the majority of the Warrior Air games. You also have like a longer run-up uh, charge attack. It's almost like the um, the Metroid... Um, what's it called? Uh, Rainbow Dash or whatever it's called, where you like run really fast. Speed. Speed boost. That's the one. It's almost like the speed boost because you need a bit of a lead up, but then you are super fast and super powerful. Mm. Um, the other wrinkle or the other change difference, uh, and it's an important one for me in terms of where my enjoyment of the game will or won't lie. Um, it doesn't do the like three star collect 12 and a half thousand coins on this level. Run back to the main entrance of this level inside 30 seconds, like that three star mobile game bollocks. Um, and I think it, I think it's better for not having that. It does have, um, like four pieces of a gem to find in every level, yeah. but that feels like it's much less obnoxiously laid out, and I don't mind that. Um, so far, I really, really enjoyed the game. It pops on the IPS screen. I've modded into my Game Boy Advance. Um, feels tight as you'd expect from a Nintendo platformer. So far, so good, and we'll, we'll see if I uh, if I stick this one out because the Wario series is sort of a bit a bit hit and miss for me. So we'll see yeah, how that one goes. I retired that one. Um, oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> I don't. I don't like WarioWare games. I don't. <laughs> Wario Land games. I like the WarioWare games, but the Wario Land games, personally, I I find it to be really tedious platforming. But like, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, look, some people fucking love these games, and I'm so happy that they have them. <laughs> it's like how I feel about Sonic. If you love Sonic, I'm so happy for you. I yeah, well, would un- rather unless not. <laughs> you're that one guy with the poo Sonic, but um, that that's a deep dark cut that we probably don't need to go near. Yes, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> nope. That was me thinking out loud, and it's not really... <laughs> My turn. Um... <laughs> Please. Why don't I dig us out of here? So, um, yeah, I'm still playing Tomato Adventure. Um, mm-hmm. I'm uh, about... I think I think I'm halfway through now. I'm, I'm a little more than halfway through. So Something like that. I'm like four or five hours in. It's only about an 11-hour game. Still really like this game. It's very funny. It's a great game to play. Like... I've been watching The Simpsons because it's all at Disney Plus now. And so I've just been kind of like burning through that. And like, it's kind of a great game to just be like watching something sort of mindless and like plowing, uh, you know, going through it. Um, it's not that you don't have to pay attention to this game. There are some actually interesting things to do in it. Like it, um, it it's always, um, it does subvert your expectations a couple times, like, like, uh, and kind of purposefully so. Like you start to think you know the pattern and then they'll sort of shake it up for you a little bit. And you're like, oh, Oh, in, in a welcome way, like not in like a, ah, but just kind of, you're like, oh, that was, that was kind of cool. Actually. I like that. Um, so I'm really digging it in again. The more I play this game, the more depressed I am that they were forced to make or not forced, but that they started making the Mario and Luigi games because like, there's a world where they kept making interesting, wacky games. And I kind of wish I could have been in that world, you know, like this is such a fun 
well-realized, insane thing. But I guess it probably never would have sold. But then again, the Mario and Luigi games fucking bankrupted them anyway. So uh, um, I, I recommend this game, though. I really do. Uh, it's just, it's lots of fun. It's just lots and lots of fun. Um, great. And it also, it looks phenomenal. Like, I've got an IPS. I have two freaking IPS game full advances. But um, it looks gorgeous on this thing it's just gorgeous uh, beautiful fucking pixel work like these guys really knew what they're doing with pixel art which is again why i hated the transition to 3d that happened with those mary and luigi games but that's a whole other thing um still playing the great ace attorney chronicles it's sort of i got hooked now and i i, I see the point i'm also been hearing that like from people that i've been talking to the first one is like they're like this first game is considered like you know like like a seven or eight like seven out of ten ish right seven seven point five like it's like a good ace attorney game but apparently the second one is like a fucking masterpiece like it's just like it takes all of the threads of the first and apparently it like it just it it starts with like the foot fucking like smashing the pedal to the ground and it never lets up for the entire game and it just like goes um so I'm at this point right now where I know that's what's going to happen, but I'm just like, you know, I'm like inching a little bit along with this and it's, it's a shame it couldn't, but like, I, I also understand why this first game can't be like that second game because this first game is apparently setting up all of the pieces and realistically, that's just hard to do, right? Especially when you're fully reintroducing the world to Phoenix Wright, um, or, you know, not Phoenix Wright, but you know. Uh, Ryonosuke Naruhodo, who Naruhodo is like what Phoenix Wright's name is in Japan. Anyway, but um, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's, which is actually sort of funny. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised they didn't keep the right name for this one to kind of like indicate to the West, like by the way, this is his ancestor. But whatever, I, I'm glad they didn't because like it's very Japanese, so it's nice to see that. But um, anywho, uh, long story short. There's this moment in the second case where you do these deductions with Herlock Sholmes. Um, and like mm-hmm. Herlock is like really good at deductions, but he's shite at logic. Like his logic's just <laughs> bad. And it's really funny because you basically have to fix his logic. So like he'll he'll do these like, you know, like the fucking I love it. They're making fun of that like you know the Sherlock series of BBC, which I that second season of that show is phenomenal with Benedict Cumberbatch. It fucking drives itself into the ground after a couple more. But um, mm-hmm. that second season with Moriarty is amazing. But you know how he does that whole like you uh, <laughs> like oh you've just come back from Afghanistan from the dirt on your cut like all those like deduction things and like he does yeah, this yeah yeah he does this in the game but it's so fucking wrong and it's awesome like he's like looking at you and he's like you must be Russian because you because this guy was like released recently and he got on here and like you're this japanese kid who's like i'm obviously not russian and like it's just it's really great and like he's just like terrible and like he's an idiot but like also kind of smart because he can actually do like he has actual really good powers of observation like he does notice things he just notices all the wrong shit so like you basically have to do these things in the investigation segments where you have to fix his deductions and like find what what he's actually noticing and it turns into like a mini puzzle and it's really fun and it's very funny and i like their like kind of teamwork together and like Herlock is always in weird positions. Like at one point he's like on top of this desk, like looking underneath it. It's just. Oh yeah. Where, where he's yeah. like, like hanging from the thing on the wall. Yeah. He's all sorts of shit like that. I mean, he's just like, he's so weird and it's very fun. 
Um, so like, there's lots of good personality in him. And so after this deduction, I was like, all right, I get what this game's putting down. I'm in, <laughs> you know, like I was like, yep. this is it. I'm in. <laughs> um, so it wasn't as long as I thought. I thought it might take me longer, but I'm like, no, all right. I see what's happening here. Um, and I'm really glad that the investigation segments are still kind of in there full intact. Like, it's really nice to go back to those. Uh, I, I missed those a little bit from Leighton or Phoenix, right? Like I liked doing the puzzles with Leighton, but the investigations are fun, you know, finding all the clues and like exploring and meeting all the people. It's just, they just added some character to the game. One of my fondest memories from Phoenix, right? Is, um, the one with the lake monster and like walking around the lake, meeting Larry Butts and meeting like the big Afro lady um, and everything. Like that's one of my favorite memories. It's just like, yeah, I, a lot it, of heart. Yeah. A lot of heart. That's it. Yeah. A lot of heart. A lot of heart. Fuck. I love that so much. Um, God, there's some stupid fucking names in this game, but they're so good. Like they're so yeah. good. Um, I, but I, um, I was, I think it was in the second game where he was like, um, I'm at me. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like Prosecutor Ouchie. Um, his like his name is Al. <laughs> and like yeah, so it's just really good, right? Because like there was like Prosecutor Payne. Oh, yeah, and he's all like, <laughs> um, oh, I hate how much I love that. I know you would love, that. man, dude. The puns in this game are off the fucking uh, charts, like just yeah. awesome. I, I I love the writing of the Ace Attorney games. Mm-hmm. I hate the the game of the Ace Attorney games. Fair, that's the problem. That's yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, I started Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. So yeah, we, Oracle of Ages is the game of the month this month. But listen, Oracle of Ages is, is a two-part, you know? It, you got you to play both. You can't just play one of these. Um, it's not like Pokemon where like you can just play one of them and then you've played them both. They're actually very different games. Um, and so, I, but I've always sort of been of the philosophy that you should start with Seasons. Um because seasons is a bit easier. Like even if, cause someone made a good point on the discord where they're saying like, they're not entirely good at like combat in older Zelda games, but like, gotta understand the combat in this is not, it's not that it's not hard. <laughs> um, mm. So like, even if you're not great at 2d Zelda combat, you're going to be fine. I, I promise. Um, and so this one's more combat focused and the puzzling is not quite as difficult. There's obviously still puzzles. Um, but it's more about like clearing rooms and whatnot. Uh, and so I've gotten through the first dungeon at this point. I've gotten the the rod of, of uh, seasons. And and it, since it's seasons based, which is actually really cool. Like in the first village, you see the seasons shift and you see like, oh, the puzzles that I can solve because like seasons will change um, the entire layout. Like really it's four maps in one, right? Which is really cool on the Game Boy Color. Like they have fucking like even more than, um, you know, say... Uh, Oracle of Ages, which will have like the two, right? Because you have your your, your two time uh, frames. I think it was two time frames. Maybe it's more. I can't remember. Well, uh, we'll find Maybe out when we get four. to it. Maybe it's exact parity. Maybe I don't think it is, but it might be. Um, we'll have to. We'll find out when we get there. Find out exactly. Yeah, yeah. but there's like this continuation, right? Like I played them on the 3DS, like you know, 2014 or whatever. Um, and I think I just played both of them separate. I didn't do the combined route thing. I just played both of them to see what they were like. Um, and so now I'm excited to kind of do this route and like officially, like in the Hyrule, like story and all that Nintendo kind of claims seasons first and then ages is the second game, but do whatever you want. Really don't let anyone tell you what to do with your life. <laughs> um, but I'll be playing seasons and I'm playing it on my game Boy color, the modded one. So it's got the nice IPS screen and ooh, it looks good. You know what? I gotta say, this is one of the first games that, um, it has a GBA enhancement, right? Where you, you put it on the GBA and the color palette gets lighter. 
and it looks. I remember you saying you thought bad. it was a bit of a downgrade. Weirdly, oh, yeah. I mean, it might. Here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing maybe on an unmodded GBA, the lighter palette might look good without the backlight. Uh, right, and this is something you've got to remember that devs always factored in because yeah. uh, Nintendo did everyone dirty with their first version of the GBA. Now, if you want to play with the GBA enhancement, which I don't really think you need to, it's like a fucking extra shop or some shit, and I don't know what you would need to buy. But anyway, um, if you want to play with that, there are hacks that allow you to force the GBA mode, and then there's also a hack that allows you to revert to the original Game Boy Color palette. So basically, you can get the the extra shop without having to change the fucking look of it. Of course you Game can. Color. Yeah. Um, Models think of everything. They I love truly it. do. They truly, truly do. So I, I love these fucking games. And I have to say, booting it up, like playing it on a Game Boy Color, it, wow, holds up right away. Like it, it looks so good. And it it's so much fun. And it plays great. There's like lots to discover. Um, yeah, great game. I've also started, and I'm like basically 20 hours in to Wasteland 3. This game Holy. has fucking grabbed me hard. This yeah, you're is, not on vacation. Where have you found that time? This, this is week? vacation, actually. I'm on a long weekend. <laughs> also, this first week back. back was a fucking joke. I'm back in university. There was <laughs> nothing going on. My prof canceled one of my classes. He was like, we're not having fucking class on Friday. And I was like, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the university gave these two makeup days because technically we have like two lost days and they're on Fridays. And he was like, no no, we're not doing that. He was like, I can lecture you in more than enough time than needing those two fucking Fridays. And I was like, you're the best. Um, so anyway, this has been a pretty chill week. I'm also a keener, man. I get so much fucking work done so fast. Like I just, all morning I work and then I like, I power a game. But uh, Wasteland 3. So, okay. I usually fucking hate these like tactical CRPG-ish type games. Remember Definity Original Sin 2, the worst game of all time? Uh, that's not true at all. It's not even close. I'm not here but, to uh, sort inventory. Yeah, I'm not here to sort inventory, right? This game got me into sorting inventory. <laughs> I like unironically I'm enjoying it. It's because it's so good. It's this game is so good. It's made by the X Fallout devs, like the original Fallout games, right? And those were from that isometric perspective. Um and it, this is Fallout, okay? This is Fallout in the best ways possible. And ha, huh, I don't even know where to start. I have so much I want to say about Wasteland 3. I don't know where to start. So I never played the other Wasteland games. This connects to those games a little bit. You hear things, but you don't have to fucking play those games. The first one has a remastered version. I'm pretty sure it's rough to play now because this is pretty old at this point. Um, the second one probably holds up a bit more, but I was like, I'm not interested. I want to jump in where the getting's good. And the getting is good in Wasteland 3. So essentially, you're playing as these rangers, right? And um, you've gone from Arizona and you're you're coming into Colorado. And so basically, there was an apocalypse, right, ages ago, nuclear war. Um, and it's like, I think it's like 100 years or so after the apocalypse has occurred. Um, and Colorado is like broken up into these factions, but it's a very lived world. Like there are allegiances in this world. Um, and you're coming to basically like your team, the Rangers, was essentially decimated in Arizona, I guess. Um, I think it's something to do with the earlier games. Um, they mentioned this AI called Cochise all the time, which is apparently from the games. So there's some shit going on there. Uh, and you are like desperately in need of allies. And so you're coming to like get the allegiance of this guy called the Patriarch, who essentially runs Colorado. Because one 
part of Colorado, Colorado Springs. It had an anti, uh, there was like a, there was a military base there. So it had anti-missile uh, defense program. So it essentially escaped the nuclear blast. So it's okay. And the way this game works is that like, you can have a team of six Rangers um, and it's, it's isometric tactical. So it's like the kind of idea of like, it's like XCOM in a way, but you know, remember when I talked about Jagged Alliance 2? way or way earlier back in the day it's like the descendant of that game right where like you you know select units move them they uh you know you can get them to attack or use their special items you can take cover behind things um you have a bunch of different types of weapons you got automatic weapons you've got like big guns like flamethrowers flamethrowers are fun i got i got a good flamethrower dude uh melee weapons brawling (laughs) pistols sniper rifles like all sorts of shit and like the focus in this game is that you want to have a really diverse team. Like, you know how in a follow game, per se, you're trying because you're you're just yourself. You really want to become a, a jack of all trades, right? Like, you are trying to kind of increase everything. And same in Skyrim, right? You're trying to become very good at everything. In this game, that's not at all. You're trying to create a team of individuals who are very good at very specific things. And there are, there are some, like, synergies between the skills that they possess. And so, like, on my team, I've got, like, a, a team that can basically handle just about any situation at this point for me. Um, and then you've got some units who, like, not combat's not their greatest thing in the world. But there are, like, really good at, like, mechanics or, like, nerd stuff, which is also fun. they got a good sense of humor where it's, like, hacking computers and shit and, like, um, all, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you're trying to create a really varied team. Um, and what's kind of fun is, like, you can like retrain people if you retrain people, which is something that I do recommend for like a little bit of money. And so like I eventually retrained so that my team now can like get into anything and handle anything basically. And I'm like, yeah. And it does this thing. So, oh my God, sorry. I'm going to go for a little too long on Wasteland 3. <laughs> it's just really good. Uh, the story itself <laughs> is also really awesome because you're managing allegiances, right? So you have multiple factions in the Wasteland and you kind of have to figure out like who are you going to play for, right? And like, who, because you could art, you could literally, if you want, go through and fucking murder everyone. Um, I have yet to see, I don't know if there is someone that you can't kill because I've yet to see it. Like you could just fucking go through and, you know, kill everyone if you want, but that's not going to go good for you. <laughs> um, and so at the moment, I'm having like a lot of fun trying to manage like the slight um, allegiances that I want. I did just go through and like massacre one faction because they're terrible and they all hail God President Reagan and I don't like them. So <laughs> yeah, there's a group who are all about God President Reagan. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> and they're all called Nan. Anyway, it's a whole thing. So um, fuck, dude, where am I even going? There's so much shit I want to talk about. <laughs> Wait, 3 is really good. Um it does this thing that divinity did terribly where like in divinity, it feels like every single time you level up, you need to get all new sets of fucking armor or you're going to get decimated. Right. And like, it also really like it sectioned you off in ways that felt kind of shitty and like, not, I don't know. It just, it just didn't feel right. But wasteland three does it in this really organic way where it's like, Hey, I bet you want to go explore this thing. 
And look, you're at the right level for it. Why don't you go check it out? And then suddenly you unravel this whole, like you, you think you're going for this one reason. Then you unravel this whole new thing about this world. You meet all these new factions. You explore this whole area. You do all these fucking quests. And then when you're all done in area, then it's kind of like, well, before you go to the next area, you should probably get some new weapons, right? So it like progression feels really natural. Like there's this natural cycle of go in, beat some missions, sort through my inventory, sell my shit, equip everybody with good stuff go to a new area, get some new missions, right? And like that loop and that progression sort of state that they have is like really, really satisfying and really effective. Um, and I also think this is the perfect time to get into Wasteland 3 because it's on Game Pass. So that's why I've been playing it uh, because there's going to be an expansion coming out pretty soon, I think. And so uh, that's kind of what got me into it. I, they were just talking about it on like an Xbox thing at Gamescom thing. And I was like, well, I've always meant to try this game, so I should do it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's Wasteland 3. That's really good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to gushing round two when you've inevitably beaten this game next week. Oh, fucking, you bet. I mean, I wonder if I'll have it beaten by next week. Probably, actually, because it's about a 40-something hour game, and I'm like halfway through it, I think. So I probably will have it beaten by then. I have another day or two of, uh, you know, vacation time. So fucking Lord. Yeah, knows well, I'll just double check. There's this cool website. I don't know if either of you oh, heard of no, it. No, it, it uh, You can like find out how long it's going to take to beat a game. <laughs> Hmm. but yeah i mean i'll I'll be honest like if if you it's also like honestly it's a it's a breath of fresh air from fallout 4 because like i I don't dislike fallout 4 but i also just i didn't love it right and like this one feels more like something like new vegas and i also just think that it, it feels like your actions with individual factions like matter um and your actions also like you're never too sure what's going to happen. Um, like, but not in an unfair way necessarily. Like there is strategy, right? Like it's not just like choose an option and who fucking knows how they'll react. Like you can learn how some people will react, but then there are just some factions who are like, what? Like I fought this group called like the Godfishers, who like their whole thing is murdering people, attaching their flesh to kites and like launching them up into the sky towards their God. Like, yeah, like they're, they're just fucking nuts. So I just massacred them all. <laughs> so, you know, but you can also pit factions against each other. They're crazy. They had to die. Exactly. I'm turning to this dude who's like, I am the Lord of justice in this realm. <laughs> and you can do shit that's really fucked. Like you can be real fucked. But the thing is too, like if you're just a crazy homicidal maniac, it'll come back to bite you in the ass, right? Like you gotta be careful. Like all your actions have consequences in this game and it's tough. Like I'm trying to live by the standards of the Rangers, which is like protect the innocent and you know, um, unless they fly kites, but they're not innocent. They're murderers. (laughs) (laughs) They murdered so many people. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's a cool game. And you also have to think too, like sometimes there's things you want to do. Like for instance, just to give you an idea, like I I entered into this new area and there was a, uh, there was this thing I needed. I needed to get a person. And this group, you could be kind of like strategic. Like as I was, um, the group was getting attacked by this other group. And I knew that eventually I wanted to betray the group that was being attacked. So like I came to their aid, but conveniently chilled out as the enemies wiped out like about a third of their force and then killed the enemies. So that when I eventually went to fight them, they were severely weakened. And it was like, 
it's just nice that you could do shit like that and like still stay on their good side so you can get missions get the good shit from them and then just go through. anyway god yeah fucking great game great rpg it's on game pass too for free it's fuck crazy if you have game pass man this shit is free on game pass like oh my god like it is so good i feel like i'm cheating something getting this for free i was like yeah. and oh in exile is currently making like a new a new rpg too for xbox and i'm like cannot wait this company is fucking dope like i'm so glad that they've got that and like i'll just say the future's looking bright for fucking xbox rpgs like they've got oh some good studios oh, unless they're game plus exclusive because then they're not going to be preserved Oh, I don't know. Nice segue. Yes, they will, because they'll be on PC. <laughs> and you can download them. What are you talking about? You download Game Pass games. Um, Let me have the segue. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't work, Rick. It doesn't work. <laughs> yes, why don't we move on to our topic then? So yeah, the topic for this week. So we talked a lot last week about just like subscription and streaming services and all this stuff. But something we, we kept kind of like dancing around was the was preservation and and kind of the merits of it and and the requirements of preservation um i think i have a slight hot take on this um but (laughs) Um, i i think i know what that hot take is already uh i feel like we should take this slightly out of the order that we've got it in the show notes and just touch on what preservation really is first of all and i think this is an interesting um thing that's sort of unique to gaming so when you talk about um preserving a piece of art or a movie or um you know something off prehistory generally being able to see what that thing was is enough mm-hmm. um you know if there's if there's a a copy um of a video or a picture of a painting yeah that's preservation because you know you have 99% of that experience in that digital asset with games so much of what needs to be preserved is the act of playing it and so what's important for games is that you actually have like all of that source code, even, you know, a ROM is fine, but ideally you have like all of the source, not only stored somewhere, but stored somewhere that people can continue to access it mm-hmm. because, you know, it's all good having it in a vault somewhere, but you know, if, if people can't play it and experience what it was like, that that's preservation with no purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what makes preservation of games such a thorny thing, because what you're essentially asking in the act of preservation um, is that a company whose sole purpose is profit um, do something which is highly unprofitable, which is let you keep playing the old shit instead of buying the new shit. Um, and I think that's why preservation has been so much the preserve of pirates. Um, the irony of that is when it comes full circle and you have Nintendo listing a pirated ROM of Super Mario Brothers on the on the Switch online service. But that that I mean that's somewhat beyond the scope of this conversation. The, the point, I suppose, when you come around about to preservation is that preservation is something that really, even if there are benefits for a publisher, whether that's selling it themselves later, um, you know, having it as an additional source of revenue, whether that's um allowing for the continued appeal of the brand. You know, Mario didn't come out of a vacuum. Mario came, to continue that example, from the original works and that extension. It's the same as Mickey Mouse and Steamboat Willie. Um, But it's also why, and this ties into the conversation we had last week, um, games that are going to be exclusive to streaming, and we have already had those games, um, are at such danger. Because when you're streaming a game, what you're essentially doing 
is um, having a video feed of that brought back to you. Uh, at no point do you have full access to the game files. Ergo, at no point are you able to, um, as an end user, create a copy, preserve that game beyond the footage of someone else playing it, which isn't true preservation uh, for this medium. So, like I said, this has already happened. Like, I forget the name of the game. It wasn't an especially important or influential um, or otherwise significant game. Uh, but there have been games on Stadia that were Stadia exclusive. Yeah, I, there was four shit games that on game. Stadia. <laughs> Except yeah, one. The, one the was okay. Super Bomberman point. Online, I think, was one that was pretty good, apparently. And uh, But this is the interesting thing. The quality is besides the point. Like, there is a value to preserving Bubsy 3D because that that is a moment in gaming history of a transition from 2D to 3D and how some people blew it. And that that you know that's important for the medium. You know, in in the same way that the room's important for the medium. It, it you know it doesn't have to be good to be significant and of value. Um, and, but that that's the point. You know, unless you have someone valiant at the developer level or at the stream provider level, you you don't get to keep that game. And um, I remember seeing a clip from a, a GDC conference talk. Uh, someone talking about preservation. And he said to all the people in the room, you know, um, the last game that you shipped, how confident are you um, that if I asked for them right now, you'd be able to give me like a copy of the source code? You know, anyone at your company. And like two hands went up. And that's terrifying because those are the people that made the games haven't necessarily secured it. So, you know, what what hope do we have <laughs> in, in a situation where pirates have that door sort of shut on them? Um, and I think this is probably... The, the segue or, or, or the perfect jumping in point for your hot take, Alex, which I'm going to kneecap and say is that preservation you don't think isn't very important. It's not that I don't think it's important. Um, I think there's a level, like a degree to which, like I understand what you're saying, where like historically there are things that are valuable in and of itself. But I think, I think for games as a medium, and I think for art forms as a medium, preservation is not as important as people put it off to be because there is a there is a there's a big downside to preservation that I feel we don't really hit on very often and I'm coming from the side of theater so I mean easily question for you both what's one of the oldest plays you know or even playwrights that you know Okay, I feel like the obvious answer is Shakespeare, but it definitely goes further that's back correct. than that. Yes, that's good. Oh, yeah, it goes further back. There's some fucking Greek shit, but Shakespeare. In Canada, Shakespearean plays get produced every single year. Many of them every single year. And that's they cool. are fucking garbage. They're garbage. They're absolute trash. And they're mm -hmm. done every year. And there's a full industry of creating old plays. And Shakespeare was amazing like don't get me wrong that fucking playwright was brilliant and that was a man who took old shit rewrote it himself changed it up made it relevant for his day and age and now mm. we've preserved it and we do recreations that are artistically boring and flabby um and so for me the thing that really bothers me about preservation is that i think you're right it is important preservation is good to know through it, but there is the question of what do we do with what we preserve? 
And the reverence for what we preserve is a dangerous, terrible thing. I think it creates artistic stagnancy, right? Where we, because you also questions, what are we preserving? Um, And in general, like games are getting a little bit better, I guess. But at the same time, we often like, I mean, like, 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 you know, theater is another example there, right? It's like we preserved this one thing. So that's what has like influenced us. And so when I look at preservation nowadays, it's like, yeah, we're preserving everything. But at the same time, it doesn't even really matter because it's like what people are playing is what people are looking at, right? So I don't know. For me, like at the end of the day, I just, I there's, there are days where I wish we just forget a lot of this shit that came before and that we would just move the fuck on, you know? Like, I'm like, no, I don't want to see another play like this. And also artists require the ability to experiment without having something to come back and haunt them forever you know what i mean like uh, yeah i get that i get that I yeah do. yeah i get that right like yeah. bless his soul to whoever made bubsy 3 <laughs> because <laughs> the, well, i mean it was sony bend they're still going i know i know right um and so that's fine but it's like and, and again it, it, and also to say like just because for instance like the need to experiment obviously doesn't mean we should never preserve things right like um because like that would be silly as well um and also it's not feasible like things will be preserved um but i also just think that like yeah i don't know we need to i i i personally feel a little bit like if the artist wants it preserved cool you know like i'm like all for it but when like I don't know the the like the culture of like this thing's come out. We have to make sure it's saved. I I don't know if I vibe with that. Like I'm like I'm just not sure I'm into that per se. You know, like um, because I think there are, is merit in something that occurs and vanishes. Like, uh, look, I I personally have directed and acted in well over like fifty or sixty plays in my life. Like actually, probably more than that at this point. I have maybe a handful of those preserved like actual recordings or copies of them i do not want any of the others they happened and they're gone right i learned the lessons from them and i moved on from them i don't need them to exist back then and i know theater is a different medium you know it's different and all that but like yeah i don't know you know and but at the same time i do know what you're saying because i've watched recordings of older plays to learn lessons from them but then at the same time, actually, when I watched an old recording of a play, I directed my worst play, actually. So, you know what? I think I'm actually right. It was detrimental to my artwork because I looked at this thing and then I started basing my decisions against what I had seen instead of going with the like my artistic sort of like impulses instead. And, and there's part of the issue, right? You start to base it upon what you've seen before, um, which can be a good thing. You can build off of and learn more. But sometimes it, 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 it traps you into, into a certain level of thinking. Um, this is getting a little abstract, I know. But it, it's just the thing that sort of makes me a little wary about preservation uh, as an ultimate goal. Um, I think for like maybe for the industry, if it's something that they deem as being really important, like I could see the, I, I could see the idea of preserving assets, preserving um, engines and things like that. Like that to me actually seems more important for an industry where they maybe need to like fucking borrow some shit and like help uh, make their development easier. But I don't know. What, what do you think, Paula? What was your, or did you have a counter? Rick? 
I've been trying to think about all these preservation stuff. Like, on one hand, like being able to experience something that came out before I was even born, mm -hmm. that is cool. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I see your point because as someone who likes to think as a little bit as an artist herself, there's shit that I made that I don't want to see again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the weird thing about video games is that not only like on what system it is on or like what game mechanics, story writing, all that stuff, all that is like on the cartridge or the disc um, can be preserved. Or, but if you, for example, if you emulate a game, you don't get the same feeling like playing on the original hardware. Like maybe some of the problems that game had was because of, I don't know, clanky control bottom placement or something like that. So there's a lot of that um, context that is lost to like the new game developer that wants to learn like, why something flopped or why something succeeded. On the other hand, it is a very difficult uh, thing to talk about because even like with, for example, Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy, it is abstract as shit. You have any, like barely any indication of, of where to go next. Mm -hmm. uh, it is pretty much try and, er and error. It, like on the original Lane of Zelda, like, what the fuck am I supposed to know which bump to bump, which wall <laughs> to bump, or which bush to burn? Other than try and, and error. Like for example, on the the Final Fantasy remake for the PSP, uh, not only tells you where to go next, it is it makes sure you you it makes extra sure you know. Like uh, at the start of the game, everyone is telling you to go north uh, to the point that it gets annoying and. With my boyfriend, we actually memed about it, and it is something for us, like, up to this day. So, even when you... For example, when you remake a game, you, you may have the the story intact, or, like, the, the overall feel of the game intact in the sense of where everything is, but the gameplay is... Uh, it, it's, it is pretty much an entirely different game with the same story. Like, even if you preserve, like, hey, this is where Final Fantasy started, you didn't exactly preserve, hey, this is where Final Fantasy started. So it, it is, like, a very weird in the sense that, like, we, we like to say, like, we like to preserve games. And we generally do our first, like, um, at least you two, I know that Raleigh like try to. Sorry, are at least Alex I know tries to play like a original hardware, um, <laughs> like with the 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 Game Boy and Game Boy Advance, uh, mods and stuff like that. Um, but no, not everybody will do that. No, yeah, very few. Will. And yep. So, the, the, so, sorry, so yeah, like even if we preserve the software, it is very difficult, like to preserve like the, the, the experience itself. Like we have people like talking like how each game like shaped the, the industry in a way, or what 
they did right or what they did wrong. Um, I kind of feel that I, I would like people to have access to the software, like to have like a little bit more understanding of mm. what whoever is teaching them why this game is um is so and so is so and so. But at the same time, uh, you you have like new generations that don't give a shit about the older games. So uh, what can I say? So I want to I want to jump on two things you said there. First, just as an aside, I think like hardware preservation is just a dead end. Like yeah. there will always be enthusiasts for it. I think it's cool that people do it. It's just not realistic, and I think um, you don't lose all that much in preserving broadly the experience, even if it's you know different buttons, different whatever. There's the odd exception, so there's like arcadey bits and random stuff that people do try and preserve and i think that's cool i don't think it's crucial um the other thing is i think it's super interesting for both of your perspectives where they sort of intersect with the the death of the artist debate sort of thing um because i i do not consider myself a creative in the slightest um mm. i'm kind of musical i'm not remotely artistic so i don't think of it in the sense that um you know, I, this is something I've done. I never want to think about it again. I never want to see it again. It was a moment in time. I agree there's a beauty in that. I find that interesting and compelling. Um, but I don't think it obviates the idea of that being accessible. And obviously there's there's a limit to what you can preserve. You'll never preserve anything. Ultimately, the heat death of the universe means we can't preserve <laughs> anything ever. But, I, you know, that's an abstraction, really. Um but I think it, it is important for people beyond the original creators to have those things to be accessible for future generations. Um, you know, one of, one of my favorite bands ever fucking hate their first two albums, refuse to play any of them on tour ever again. And it's like, if you still love it, that's cool. We don't ever want to play it again. We don't want to think about it. Yeah. The fact that that music is still available, still for sale, still whatever, means that when I go and see their live shows, cool, I'm not going to hear those tracks, whatever. But those tracks are on tape and I can still go back to, and listen to them and still love listening to them. I think that tracks, you know, no one's made Chrono Trigger again. When when the publishers tried their fucking made abominations with mm -hmm. horrible tile sets. I wonder where we've heard that recently. Yeah, mm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, that actually but, makes me think too, though. Like, And I, I think there's an argument to be made to that. If there is something notable or noteworthy about a game, someone will preserve it, right? Like this is the thing that we've noticed is like some of our, like the greatest games out there, people, they do, they just do. You know what I mean? Like, it's like one of these things where like someone takes it and then they preserve it. And I know it doesn't like feel good to necessarily rely on that, but like, it's kind of what happens, you know, like they seek it out, they find a way. Um, but does it, you know, you look at Metropolis, that's sort of ish preserved. So many early movies are lost. Um, and and the, the only reason that things are preserved at the moment is because they can be. And this is where it intersects with the conversation we had last week. You know, if, if something's being streamed, you know, it could be incredible. Maybe gameplay footage is saved. Maybe millions of op-eds are archived in the web archive forever. But, you know, unless someone intrepid on that dev team makes a point of setting it to a side, um, 
and this all assumes that it's developed in such a way that the streaming isn't integral to that game code running, yeah. uh, which can be obviated, but it's another challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's all well and good to say, you know, if it's good enough, someone will preserve it because that's but it's not generally even necessarily if things it's have good happened. enough. It's just noteworthy enough. Noteworthy. Yeah, you, yeah. Like like the room, right? That's exactly it. Me, yeah. <laughs> no, I know, but I, I just want to <laughs> be clear. Like on, I just want to be clear on my my side of it. That's all. But I also okay. So yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. Go on. Go on. I was gonna say too. Like, I just at the end of the day think like. I don't think we actually lost much losing those old movies. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some things where I'm like, I'm actually okay with that. And like, I'm like, thank Christ we didn't preserve more plays from the 1500s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, thank God we only have the ones that we did because like, I just, and this is actually what makes me a little nervous is that like, I look at video game. Now this isn't going to be necessarily a problem for me. I don't think, but like, I look at video games, um, and, well, I look at theater and I think theater is this thousand year old tradition, like thousands of years old tradition, right? And, and more oh. specifically, the theatrical tradition of Canada and North America and Britain is is much younger than that, right? Like arguably, like it's a little, you know, a few hundred years probably before Shakespeare and then like Shakespeare is kind of like that sort of point and then it sort of it moves on from there. And so that's like kind of that tradition for better or worse. Um, mm-hmm. And looking at that, like you can see patterns of what happens in these artworks, right? Whereas they respond to older things and, or they take them on and grow them. So I, I fear of a time that is, and realistically it won't be our problem. It's probably hundreds of years away. Wherein I, I, I question like what ends up happening in that time? Like, are we just starting to repeat and recreate the games of old and, you know, which we already kind of do, um, you know, like we like remake all of these games and like, Oh God, like movies do this all the time too. Like the remake and recycle. And, uh, it's a concern that is beyond preservation for me, but preservation is part of it where it's like, oh, remember that movie? Let's remake that one. Like a star is born like six fucking times. And I just, um, you know what I mean? Like part of me is just like, I, I, uh, it's impossible. We can never just forget these things, but I do sort of wish that we would just, someone would conveniently lose the copy and go, oh, sorry, we don't have it anymore. I guess you just kind of have to make it yourself, make something new. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Although where preservation is an interesting one where, where people try and do a, a shitty remake, you always have the better version. You know, you're, you're not yeah. stuck with whatever the latest thing they churned out is. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing, it occurs to me that um, there's maybe an analogy to be drawn. Um, you talked about Shakespeare and all the... Um, lackluster um to put it kindly reinterpretations of those plays whether there's a comparison to be made there between uh, you know mario brothers and all the various rom hacks that exist of mario brothers yeah but i mean the rom hacks are fun things that people make whereas the shakespearean stuff is the full (laughs) professional industry do you know what i mean (laughs) like like, that's what scares me yeah it's like to become a professional actor in canada and in america and in great britain you have to go through like a like Shakespearean unit essentially and learn how to act in that style, which is crazy. Like uh, that dude was like revolutionary for his time, like made things that were relevant and now we're doing shit and they don't matter. And like people say like, Oh, it's relevant to our time. And I was like, or you could just make a play that's relevant to our time. But like making art is hard, you know, it's fucking hard and it's easier to cash in on, on shit that was done before. And so, and we see this in video games too. This is just what happens. Right. And, I get it. I fucking get it. It's hard. And sometimes you want to do the, the sure thing that's not very good, but at least will make you some money. Um, so anyway, we're going to get to the point now where I'm just going to start talking about capitalism. So we have to, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, we, we could talk about this all day. And hey, maybe in a future episode, we will. For now, we probably should call it here. 
Yeah. What do you think, listeners at home? Let us know in the <laughs> comments down below. And hey, while you're there, why don't you smash that like button? <laughs> Ooh, hit subscribe, <laughs> ding the bell, crank that lever. Oh, baby. Oh, God, what's happening? <laughs> um, should, we, should we skip the listener question this week? Because I feel like... I, I think we've sort of run long on time. Yeah, Next yeah, week, maybe. We're actually running low on listener questions, by the way, lovely listeners. So if you've heard, honestly, if you've heard a question on another podcast you listen to that you're like, man, I'd love to know what my podcast hosts think of that. Um, fucking launch us the, that shit our way. You can reach us at uh, hltbpodcast at gmail.com or on the Discord or on the howlongtobeat.com forums. Let us know. Tell us. Yeah. We want to hear from you. We love hearing from you. All of those links are in the description box wherever you're listening to this. Yes. Oh, are they? Is that what I'm doing now? Great. <laughs> no, That's what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, That's noise. What we are um, doing now. Well, why don't we move on to... How long to beat the game? Uh, let's see. I think it's my turn to edit this week, so let's find out what we're playing for. As he Blessed. opens up the tab that he had ready and definitely is not currently opening. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's see here. Uh-huh. I, I don't like that little laugh. I, I don't like the name of this game, and I think I'm going to re-roll, but it says Deep Space Waifu Flat Justice. What oh, the fuck yeah. is this? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I've never heard of this game in my life. <laughs> not not only do I love that, that this game exists, I love that someone bothered to log it on HLTV. And and that enough people because this has more than twenty five completions, right? Like that's Oh shit, of course. Do you know what I'm saying? Like oh Actually, I think I've heard about this game before. I you don't remember from people home. at home. I hope you're ashamed of yourself. <laughs> oh, this is definitely a filthy game. Um can, can you just read the title out for me one more time, please? Yeah, Deep Space Waifu, colon, Flat Justice. All in capitals, Flat Justice. Uh, I, did, I didn't need you to bring colons into this, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. I wonder what, okay, I'm going to look at Steam, like, what's the... Uh, a, a Google tells me that Deep Space Waifu is a franchise with multiple entries. Yeah, I can't even get it on Steam right now because it's saying, uh, oops, you need to be logged in for this because obviously it's not friendly for work. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I should have known that. Deep Space oh, Wise. from that one. Yeah, I I know where I, I heard all this game from. It, it, uh, I don't remember uh, the name of the YouTuber, but this YouTuber was making like um, a video about like trash waifu games or something like that. Mm-hmm. And this was like one of them. Yeah. So it's, it's called in the description I found a strip em up. Hold on, can you, re- yeah, can you repeat that? I had sounds. Em up. Sorry, can you just repeat a, that? Uh, I mean, a strip em up. So like a shmup, but with stripping. A strip em up. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, if I find the video, if I remember the which video it is, I'm going to like just send it to you. Like, so you, so you, so you laugh at how bad it is but it is like um it's just like imagine like a, a space shoot em up about you one of the things you can shoot is quotes i love me one of the top review on here like the first one that i saw most helpful it says literally the best game on steam i recommend it if you want to lose even the last bit of dignity you have left <laughs> 
<laughs> the reviews on these games were always wild. But like, yeah. who who buys this game that isn't aware that Google exists? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. To be fair, like, I quite enjoyed undressing anime girls with one hand mode. Yikes. Oh my god. <laughs> right, times, uh, what do we think? Um Wait, we are we are actually doing this? Uh, we yeah, we're in it now. Oh, uh, but the, I, yeah, but let's be honest, we know this game is going to be like short as shit, right? Like that's never stopped us before. I suppose. Yep. Uh And we thought that about Tomb Raider. We did think that about Tomb Raider, you're right. Um, <laughs> should we make this interesting? It, should should we say if it's under um under five, 10 hours, should we mm-hmm. reduce how much wiggle room we have? Like if it's over 10 hours, we, we keep should. the 5 to 5. Yeah. I think if we're having this discussion on a rule change, it's probably not one that we need to record and I think we probably need to give it a little bit more thought. Well, yeah. why don't we just do you want to try it out for this because so like let's say let's just say if the game is under or, 10 hours you have to be within two hours if you have all three for for deep space waifu specifically yeah. we could prices right it see who can get closest to the actual times of that going over <laughs> for deep space waifu <laughs> like, the I'll price is waifu what the fuck did you say price is waifu the price is waifu <laughs> So, Paula, a little bit, little bit of context. There's a, a TV show called The Price is Right. Uh, it started in Britain with our Lord and Savior, Bruce Forsyth. Brucey. Um, and there's there's an American version with, I believe, Drew Carey from Whose Line? There's been a bunch of people on it, yeah. Anyway, what one of the one of the, the games on this show um, is like, what's the price of this item? So they'll show you an item. Maybe it's a car, maybe it's a washing machine, whatever it is. And you have to guess the price of that item. If you go over, it's like playing um, 21, like you flush, you bust. Yeah. Um, so you, you have to get as close to the price of the item without going over the price of the item. So what I'm proposing uh-huh. is that we, we have to guess how long we think Ooh. this game is. But if we go over the time, we lose it. And whoever's closest oh. gets her. All right. And whoever, whoever's closest gets the wife. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, shit. You want to try? How many points is this going to be worth then? Five? Oh, I guess for Ooh. whoever, what, however many you guess, we'll just do the normal rules. You put in however many you want. If you do two, yeah. you get three. If you do all three, you get five. If you do one, you get one. Uh, Let's do it. Because we know this Sorry. game is under 10 hours. I mean, for the love of God, it's got to be under 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how long it takes you to finish. It's a 2.29 ki- uh, Cat You've missed game. a double entendre. There. Yeah. You've massively missed a double entendre. There. I hate your rig. I fucking uh, hate you. Fuck! I got it now. God damn it! All right. <laughs> oh, what does this red button does? Oh man! All right, what okay. do we think, folks? I I'm gonna say one hour, one and a half hours, one and a half hours. I'm gonna go oh. one and a half hours. Two hours and two hours. I don't. I don't think the times are much different. I'm gonna say forty-five minutes, one hour, uh, one and a half hours. Mm. Actually, maybe I'm. Maybe it's too much. <laughs> maybe it's too much. Maybe it's oh. too much. Do you know what? I'm gonna low-key, ironically. Price is right, you Alex. I'm gonna go one and a half and go two 
and I'm going to go two and a half. Oh, what? <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, okay, fine then. I'm going to. Well, but what if we have the same one? How do we? <laughs> we both get the points. Oh, so you're gonna do like either you you both win or you both lose? Ah, uh, yes, I'm I'm playing tactically now. God damn it! All right. Oh, I want or I want a Turner edition that we've all agreed is being bought for whoever gets the hundred points first. <laughs> Wait, let me. That's totally a thing that we did. <laughs> sure, that's it is. totally a thing that we did. <laughs> Let me change a thing here. Um, okay. do I want to do? Do I want to change a thing, or do I not want to change a thing? No, just gonna leave it like that. Yeah. Okay. So forty-five minutes, one and a half. One and a half. One and a half. And Rick and I have one and a half hours, two hours, two and a half hours for this one. All right. Are you ready? No. No, I, but I don't go ahead. Let's That's see cool. if someone. Blew their load on this game. All right, here we go. Stop it. <laughs> With a 72% rating. Um, Come on, Alec. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. Oh, boy. So, main story, one and a half hours. Okay. Main plus extras, two hours. Okay. Completionist, two and a half hours. Rick and Alex in the house. Well, we all get five points, right? I think so, yeah. Or did yeah. we say whoever was closest? Well, to I think it's it. more, no, just if you go way over, you don't get it. Pal is it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, given the subject matter, I feel like we should all get five points. Yes, I think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna screw Pal out on this one. <laughs> yeah. it, it was at least more it was at least more fun than just putting five 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 everywhere. Exactly. Um yeah. so Rick got an eighty four. Um You're an eighty two, Alex. Eight to two. And Pal is on seventy five. 75 yeah i think we should do that if we think it's going to be like below 10 hours we should we should try and like do something fun with that i think would be a thing because we never know if it will be but it's like if it ends up being under 10 you know like implement something what we could even do mm. is um i don't know how we do it for the for the person who's revealing the time but if we did like a, a price is right for each one and there's like a point on the line but it's hard enough. On as each it individual, is. we need to go over. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah. We'll have a chat about it when we're not yeah. recording. We'll work something well, out. Well, if anyone has cases. ideas, let us know. Because it'd be neat if we had the rules where it's yes. just like the normal rules, and then if the game ends up being under ten hours, it's like a new set of rules kick in. You know, um, that would be cool, actually. Yeah, let's crowdsource this shit. Let us know what we should be doing. Yeah, because right now the standings are eighty-four <laughs> points for Rick. 82 for Alex and 75 for Paula. Paula's creeping on up. We're all pretty close. Only like a you know one or two podcasts away from potential shifts up. Yeah. It, so the, these scores are tight. Oh, they're so tight. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Yeah. See you next week. Maybe. Yes. If we're still allowed to make podcast episodes. <laughs> Maybe we must Everybody eliminate go one of those. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Two to lose, folks. Don't get lost with your deep Bye. space buttons. Bye. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was the best and worst of our oh, podcast. Oh, <laughs> <not the. laughs>